0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Football MD Podcast. I am your host, Dan Ronan, joined, as always, with my co-host, Mike Bowling. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pod, or go visit our website at FootballMDPodcast.com. We thank you for joining us and hope you continue to do so. Today is Wednesday, September 5th, and we are exactly one sleep, away from regular season NFL football that's right you fanatics the wait is over the time has arrived NFL football is back so let's get excited because on today's NFL week one preview show we will cover some news headlines you're going to want to keep an eye on for your bets fantasy rosters or just for your own knowledge and pleasure as week one quickly approaches we will also cover some fantasy players who are on the fringe, and we will let you know whether to pull the trigger, slide them into your lineup, or try to motivate them with a week one benching. And then, before we close out today, we will highlight some key matchups this weekend and some games we will definitely be tuned into ourselves that you guys might want to watch. But before we get into the NFL We're going to do a quick college football shout-out for this weekend. Big, big win for LSU this weekend, beating 8th-ranked Miami in a huge upset. This kind of win could definitely place LSU on the map for top 10 consideration, which means a realistic shot at competing for the playoffs. On the flip side, 23rd-ranked Texas loses to unranked Maryland for the second straight year, which probably will set them unranked in next week's rankings 10th ranked Penn State avoided such an upset against Appalachian State in overtime and to my personal surprise Virginia Tech beats Florida State University 24 to 3 and it's not so much that I was expecting Florida State to win the game but I thought it would be a close game being ranked 19th and 20th each but Virginia Tech dominated and controlled the entire game that is all we have in college football this week remember to check out our college football corner written and edited by our very own Chris Ronan. For more of that college fix you're looking for, and with a light schedule this upcoming week, the two matchups to highlight would be the only top 25 bout between 17th ranked USC and 10th ranked Stanford. Besides that, the other game would be Penn State versus Pitt. Obviously the battle for Pennsylvania there and Penn State, Struggled mightily last week, so with a loss this week, Pitt can really spoil Penn State's season already, second week of football. And that's it for our college football corner. Now on to what we have all been waiting for. The lead NFL storylines headed into week one.
1: And it was definitely a crazy week for news in the NFL, specifically this weekend. I was trying to keep up with all of it on our social media accounts, updating everyone on everything that was going on. So I'm happy to be able to kind of unpack some of that for you guys now. And I wanted to start with Le'Veon Bell still seemingly holding out. It, in my opinion, does not seem likely that he's going to be starting week one. So what do you think? How is this affecting your outlook on the Steelers? And what about for fantasy purposes as well? Are you worried about
0: Bell? I don't know. Well, what would make me nervous about Bell from a fantasy perspective is, and I don't have any real source to confirm this, but there's been talks that he is willing to play the minimum. He's willing to play, I believe it's six or eight games that, that they have to play minimum or something like that for the season to count. I'm pretty sure he's willing to play that. If that's the case, that could be a huge problem. For Bell, owners and fantasy, and for Bell, because I don't think that would be what's in his best interest either, going into what seems to be his free agency year. That being said, from the Steelers' perspective, when we were talking about it pre-show, you nailed it right on the head where you said it's really not detrimental to what the Steelers have going on. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we both agree. You can't replace a Le'Veon Bell. Of course not. You're not going to re- replace a Le'Veon Bell. It's not going to happen. He is... No doubt, depending on what you're looking for in your running back, he could be the number one back in the NFL. If not, he's top three or five in the NFL. He's going to be.
1: Right, but the Steelers, they're going to be fine. They're still a good team. They have a ton of weapons on that offense. Ben Roethlisberger is a good quarterback. They have the best wide receiver in football, arguably. I know um, some people might disagree, but they have Juju Smith-Schuster. I love James Washington. I do think that their offensive scheme may shift a little bit more towards the passing game. let's not forget they also have one of the top offensive lines in the nfl so james Conner is a very capable running back we've seen d'angelo williams have success behind that offensive line and i'm not saying that james Conner is d'angelo williams but we have seen the steelers win plenty of games with bell not in the roster so i'm not so worried about the steelers obviously if they have bell that doesn't hurt your chances of winning but you were saying before it's not a pivotal position for a team to find success in the nfl
0: yeah, and don't get me wrong, obviously, like we said, you're not gonna replace him and no doubt about it, if you're if you're the Steelers, you want him there. Of course. Un- undoubtedly. Any team would want him. We're not trying to undersell how good Le'Veon yeah, Bell is. I do
1: really hope that Le'Veon Bell gets signed by the Colts this coming off season. That's yeah. like I dream about that every night. So don't get me wrong. I love Le'Veon Bell.
0: Yeah, we're both very high on him and when he plays I would think we're in agreement. He doesn't need much time to get going. We know right. last year he held out right until week one. And he got a little bit of backlash for having a slow start, like a bad week one. Yeah, I mean,
1: which, he got 10 carries.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, the thing that I would be worried about is if he showed up at this point a little bit later on this week, I think you, he has a real shot at being benched and not uh, actually playing at all. Right. But he's also the type of player where he's a top-end guy. You're looking at him for... Your playoff run, you're looking at him for week-in and week-out production, and he's going to offer you that whenever he shows up. And if it's a one-week benching, so be it. It's not going detrimental to be detrimental to your fantasy team either. What would be detrimental to your fantasy team would be if he plays the minimum. If that's a real... That would be catastrophic. That would Fair. be terrible. Yeah. But we don't know how how true that statement is, so I don't want to read too much into it. Another topic, obviously not really fantasy relevant, that's heading into week one out of Buffalo. Looks like Peterman is going to start. How do you feel about that? I think that you're 100% firing up the Ravens defense
1: if you had them on your fantasy team as if you weren't already. But this really does just make me downgrade everyone on the Buffalo Bills. Even LaShawn McCoy, one of the only guys that I really was considering starting, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, they're going to steal Nathan Peterman's lunch money this week. It is going to be so bad. And it doesn't end this week. In week two, the Buffalo Bills, they play the Chargers. And in week three, they play the Vikings. This team's going to get off to a really rough start. So if you have any of those offensive pieces in your fantasy lineups, that's definitely something that would have me nervous because I do not see that offense getting anything going for the early part of this season.
0: Yeah, and you hit that right on the nail right on the head there when you said they have a gauntlet of a first three weeks. The all three of those defenses are probably top 5. So, no doubt about it, a rough stretch. To me, stepping away from fantasy cuz like I say, it's not really fantasy relevant obviously. He's not somebody that would ever be considered a starting. What this is to me though from a football perspective is it's protecting your first overall pick, Josh Allen from <laughs> a awful beginning to a season crushing his confidence in his rookie season. I really think that's what it is. They're sa- about it. They're, they're
1: sacrificing Nathan Peterman to bring forth Josh Allen.
0: <laughs> it's funny, but it's true, honestly. That's it's kind of the best way to put it. And I think it's a great move. I also commend them for it. So it's not like uh something that I disagree with. It's something that I really I actually I think it's a great move. And when you look at it, listen, Josh Allen week 1, if he's not prepared, you're throwing him out there and I'm all for letting a quarterback grow and make his mistakes obviously we know Peyton Manning didn't have the best rookie season but it doesn't matter in my opinion you can really kill somebody's confidence and that's the last thing you want to do send out a rookie quarterback with an offensive line that is suspect with weapons that are suspect they're just they're just not in win now mode in my opinion anyway so when you evaluate the team and I know NFL personnel guys are I know NFL personnel guys are going to be brutally honest to themselves when looking at their roster, and they are not in really win-now mode. So why kill Josh Allen, which you invested a high draft pick in, you invested a lot into your, around your franchise in. Why get him off to that horrible start with three stack defenses and have him lose his confidence before he even gets a chance to get going? Just he, You don't need him right now anyway.
1: I just picture them walking around the locker room seeing Nathan Peterman patting him on the back being like, Good job, buddy, you won the starting job, and then just like winking at Josh Allen over in the corner. Like they they know what they're doing and it's um it's gonna be a mess week one, I'll tell you that. But moving on to our next bit of news. So it did recently come out that the Eagles are going to be without quarterback Carson Wentz for week one of the NFL regular season and Nick Foles the MVP from the Super Bowl last season is going to be the starter. I personally think that this is just a good move overall for the Eagles regardless of what Carson Wentz's status is. I think it's more of a franchise move just to make sure that he is 100% healed and ready to go even if they have to lose the first game or two without him in the lineup, I think they have much bigger plans for the franchise than winning those first two games of the 2018 season.
0: Yeah. And I, I definitely agree. You got to think longevity, especially with that position, right? A lot of guys in the NFL five year is would be great. Um, at the quarterback position, you are really looking for a little bit more output as far as how many years they give you as far as longevity. So Definitely want to proceed with caution with quote-unquote franchise quarterback. But that being said, I'm also not too worried, just like you said, about the Steelers and how they have everything going for them. The Eagles have a ton of weapons. They have a great offensive-minded coach. They have the number one ranked offensive line unit by Pro, Pro Football Focus last year and heading into this season. So... Yeah, I don't, and and a stellar defense, absolutely out of this world defense, if not the best in the NFL, one of the very best in the NFL. So definitely, definitely, I think they're going to be okay. And Foles is going to have a lot to work with, just like he did in the playoff run. I think they're going to be okay. You know, I I know they're playing my Falcons this week, and to me. I'm still nervous. Let's just put it that way. It's not like because they have Foles, I'm looking at this as like, you got to take advantage of a backup quarterback and get a win here. That's not how you look at it. And you would look at a lot of teams that way. You know what I'm Atlanta, for example, if Matt Ryan, if you did not have Matt Ryan in the lineup, you would definitely be looking at that as a gimme win. I don't care about Julio Jones, Devonta Freeman. They have a top tier offensive line unit. They would not go without Matt Ryan.
1: Right. Well, we've also seen two different sides of Nick Foles. We've seen him have success years back. We saw his success last year in the Super Bowl, of course, but then I saw him also play this past preseason, and he looked rough to say the least. So it really depends what type of Nick Foles we get, but I agree 100% that the Eagles have the pieces in place, even just along the coaching staff themselves. They have a lot of tools that should help them still continue to be competitive
0: for the time being. And while we are already talking quarterbacks, the first rookie quarterback to be named an official starter for Gang Green, the New York Jets, Sam Darnold, he'll get the start. And honestly, I like this move. Everything coming out in everything about the draft, his advantage in the draft was that he was coming from a a pro-ready system and he was a pro-ready quarterback. So why not get him in there and get him going? I think it bodes well for All the weapons in the offense as well, wide receivers and running backs alike, because I do think he is the most talented quarterback in that group. I'm definitely a big fan of, obviously, the veteran presence that Josh McCown offers you. I do think, ultimately, for that franchise, Darnold starting is the best call. But what about you?
1: I'm kind of indifferent about the move. Obviously, it's exciting to see, and I do think that Darnold has a bright future. I'm generally more leaning towards the idea of a rookie learning from a veteran like Josh McCown, who... He's had an up-and-down career, but he does know the league and he knows how to play. He's obviously stuck around for a long time for a reason, so I did think that may have been a better route for him to go, but you know, he's a talented quarterback, and obviously they trust in him if they're ready to roll him out week one when they have McCown still on the roster. So now moving on to some more running back news, and I'll keep this one kind of quick but the Broncos have announced that rookie running back Royce Freeman will be the lead back to start week one. And I'm personally thrilled with this news coming out. I've been pounding the table for Royce Freeman for a few months now. As I know a lot of other people have, I'm not the only one that's been high on this guy. But coming out of Oregon, I really just liked what I saw on his tape. And I think... The Broncos offensive line is much improved and that offense in general, I think, is much improved. So I'm really excited to see him get his opportunity, especially since I have him on a ton of my fantasy teams. He was one of my favorite picks over the last few days as my drafts were going on.
0: Yeah, and truly, I think it was obvious. I think we all knew that it was going to happen, but it's nice to kind of see it kind of reassures us that, you know, all that, all that predicting in the offseason kind of, you know, was spot on. But to me, what I thought was funny about this, uh, him starting, is that he asked Terrell Davis if he could wear number 30. I thought that was cool. I'm unsure whether he's actually going to undergo a number change, but I did hear, I did read that he did ask, and they had a conversation. And now we have
1: the big news at the running back position this week with Jarek McKinnon, unfortunately, going down ACL tear again. This is something that we hate to see. A Young running back a talented running back going into what seemed to be the perfect situation for this player a Kyle Shanahan offense I think all of us were extremely excited to see what he was going to be able to do this season But unfortunately, we do have to look forward week one is starting and a lot of your fantasy drafts have probably already occurred But it is important that we discuss who we think is going to be the most productive back throughout the 2018 season. And my personal take on this situation is that both Matt Breida and Alfred Morris are going to have value. If you haven't drafted already, you definitely should be grabbing them, but they're not guys that you should reach for. I do think that this is going to be a committee. Alfred Morris is built like the more one, two down running back, but his pass catching, I mean, the guy's caught 57 passes over the last six seasons. Not a very impressive stat line there. Whereas Bereda, he is not built like your traditional running back. He's definitely more of a pass catching guy. It's uh, much smaller frame. But we did see him become pretty involved at the end of last year, where he received 10 or more carries in four of the last five games. So I really think this is just screaming for a committee situation similar to what's going on in Tennessee right now with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. But anytime a running back's path to opportunity opens up that's extremely valuable for fantasy it's, it's something that's hard pressed to find throughout the season so I think both of these guys should be rostered
0: oh absolutely they should definitely be rostered in my opinion though you'd have more concern over Bryda than Alfred Morris and I know that sounds weird but in my opinion Bryda had his opportunity last year and he didn't really run away with it He wasn't super productive now don't get me wrong they didn't they're not the best team and they obviously struggled the majority of the season but still he didn't really impress too much so Alfred Morris is a guy that has previously led the league in rushing with Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator for the Washington Redskins yes he's a little bit older but he knows the system he's excelled in the system before I just think he can dominate the first and second and goal line carries, which would be huge. And in that offense, the the zone blocking scheme really puts running backs in open spaces and gives them a lot of opportunity with the with the ball in their hands. So I just think that he'll be able, as a veteran, to take advantage of the situation he's given, given much like I feel, feel about Adrian Peterson, about how he's going to be able to take advantage of his situation as well. Not going to get into that. But definitely, I think, in my opinion, if I was choosing between one or the other, I'd go Alfred Morris. And the last bit of news to wrap up before we move on to some fringe fantasy starts and sits for the week. We have Khalil Mack traded and then also agreeing to a new contract with Chicago. I believe it's $23 million per year, which is a lot of money. And not that he doesn't deserve it, I just... I'm a little confused as why Chicago. Chicago, to me, is a team that is definitely on the rise. They're building a strong, solid core. But if they had one strength in the previous seasons, it was their front seven and their run defense has been stout. So I didn't really see the need there with Khalil Mack. Don't get me wrong. He is the second best defensive player in all of football behind Aaron Donald. So I get it. You take that player, no matter what team you are, would be happy to have him. But... They could really benefit from some strong play at cornerback, some strong play at wide receiver, offensive line. I just didn't see the need there in the front seven. I thought they're already a talented unit.
1: Yeah, exactly. I get the argument that it's more of a luxury pick for a team that already seems set in that aspect of their roster. But like you said, it's Khalil Mack. They're continuing to build a young team with a ton of playmakers. So I definitely understand the move, but I don't see the huge improvement that it has to this defense. Like you said, they were fine without them and they'll be better with them. It's just not a primary need for the Bears. And for fantasy purposes, this made me bump the Bears defense from 15th to 13th. It really didn't make me move them up a lot at all. They were seventh in the
0: NFL in sacks last season. So there's not much room for improvement there. They'll be improved, no doubt. No doubt that'll be him. He's definitely a difference maker.
1: But now we are going to head into our main segment of this week's episode to prime you guys for week one of the NFL regular season. It is finally here. So we're going to get you guys ready by discussing some players that have matchups that we like and some players with matchups that we dislike at each position. Starting off with quarterbacks and my first player is Andy Dalton. Dalton's going to be playing in Indianapolis, which... It pains me to say this as a Colts fan, and I do think the Colts' defense should be improved this year, but they were 30th in yards and points allowed per game last season. So even with an improved defense, that's still a bottom unit in the league, unfortunately. They're still lacking a pass rush, and with an improved Bengals run game and one of the best wide receivers in the game, A.J. Green, I think Dalton should be in line for a pretty solid week. Of course, if he's a backup and you have somebody like Tom Brady, or Aaron Rodgers, you're going to start that guy. But if you're like myself or Dan, who typically like to wait on quarterbacks or stream quarterbacks, or you're just looking for somebody off the waiver wire because Carson Wentz isn't playing this week, I think Dalton should be able to fill that role nicely for you.
0: Yeah, like you said, it's all about the matchup, and obviously you're not worried about going to Indianapolis. It's in the Dome, so you're going to have the ideal conditions for playing football. And like you said, the defense doesn't really scare you. The offense looks like it's going to be improved, obviously, with Andrew Luck. But for fantasy purposes, Andy Dalton looks like a promising start. Our second quarterback with a little bit of a plus matchup would be Matt Stafford, Mike's boy. Always. Um, Forever and always. Stafford has a ton of weapons. He's home against the Jets week one. And there's no reason to think that he's not going to excel in that game. He honestly can't afford not to in their situation with what's going on with their division. And if they want to really compete and be considered in their division with the Packers and the Vikings, they really do have to win games like these. So you're going to be looking for Stafford to be on point. But yeah, I would be obviously Jamal Adams seems like a bright spot in that secondary. But as a whole, it doesn't really scare me. So. Definitely with those weapons, Jones, Tate, Galladay, and obviously, no, I'm very high on carry on Johnson. So, an improved run game to support him as well, I think will benefit all those factors, will benefit Stafford, and he should have a great week this week.
1: Agreed. Now, moving on to some quarterbacks that we view as having matchups that are less favorable. I'm going to start mine with Ben Roethlisberger playing in Cleveland. Now, I'm not 100% sold on the Browns offense just yet but their defense does look legit. It's been pretty solid over the last two seasons when they only recorded one win, and it's only going to be more improved this season with a more capable offense to hopefully keep that unit off the field, keep them fresh for longer. And... I do like Ben Roethlisberger as a quarterback. He was in my top 12 at the position. And I know that I said earlier that for NFL purposes, for the Steelers as a team, not having Le'Veon Bell there shouldn't hinder the Steelers' potential to find success. However, for fantasy purposes, having an elite pass-catching running back like Le'Veon Bell is a huge weapon for quarterbacks and I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to feel the effects of that in week one and this is the same exact situation that we saw in 2017. Week one, the Steelers were playing in Cleveland, a game where Bell was hardly involved and we saw Ben Roethlisberger's home road splits come into play. He finishes the QB 15 that week, which of course really doesn't ruin your week four fantasy but definitely temper your expectations. Roethlisberger was drafted in a lot of leagues to be a top 10 quarterback. So definitely, I would not think that you're getting that type of production from him this week. And you probably are still going to start him. It's just make sure that you aren't relying on him to provide that high upside that you would expect in some other weeks.
0: And another guy in the same situation that you should definitely temper expectations for would be Jimmy Garoppolo. Listen, long long term for the whole season... A lot of upside for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's in a favorable system with Kyle Shanahan as his offense coordinator. He's set up for success, but I'll be honest, no real weapons on that offense scare me. And they're going up against, in week one, a top-tier defense in the Minnesota Vikings. Just not something that I would bank on in week one. I'm not even saying that he can't do it, but at least I'd like to see it first before... I know for future reference, you know, then then later on in the season, if he's hasn't struggled against the top tier defense, we'll we'll have evidence of that. And I'll be confident in that decision later on in the season. Week one, just there's got to be somebody else available. We talked about Andy Dalton. He's a guy that most people do not draft, so you can find him on the waiver wire. Sam Darnold starting. Tyrod Taylor might be available. Tyrod Taylor might be. Yes, there might be some serviceable quarterback that you might be a little bit more comfortable with over Garoppolo just this week against that defense.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with not being too high on Jimmy Garoppolo this week. I think that 49ers offense becomes much more one-dimensional without jarek mckinnon there that pass catching option they really don't have too many red zone threats that you would hope for for some more scoring opportunities and just in general having to alter your game plan when a player that you're expecting to be such a pivotal part of your offense having to change how you're going to run that offense a week before the game is just never something that you should be too confident in especially when you're playing a top three defense in the nfl
0: moving on to guys that we like positive matchups for the running back position. The first guy plays Houston, the New England Patriots running back, James White. Out of all the backs there, he's the most consistent, healthiest remaining back. He usually gets his 10 to 15 touches per game, whether it be by carry or by reception. He's steadily involved. He's not going to give you top elite usage, obviously, but you know what you're going to get with him. He is going to get those touches. And because he's more healthy than the rest of the backs in that backfield, you can rely on him a little more. And then you're not too worried about the matchup. I mean, Houston does obviously have a very good defense, but they are home, and it's New England. They're going to score. They're going to move points. It's Tom Brady. They're going to... Never really too worried about that offense, no matter who they're going up against. And like I said, being that he is the most consistent staple available right now, it seems like he might be leaned on a little bit by Tom Brady. Agreed. You know that
1: offensive weapons for the Patriots, when they're getting on the field, they have fantasy value. They have that potential. And as you alluded to, Michelle and Burkhead have both been missing time with knee injuries, so they're not at 100%. And I would not be surprised if this is the perfect storm for James White to have a surprising week. Now, I do think Michelle and Burkhead are going to take over that backfield. But for this specific week, for the circumstances that they're falling in, I think it's just lining up very nice for James White to have a surprising week, especially if you're doing daily fantasy. I'm sure he's going for dirt cheap right now, and he's somebody... Especially if it's a PPR league that you would want to slot into your lineup. We saw his success in the Super Bowl two years ago against Atlanta. He put up historic numbers. We know that the upside is there with this player. So I definitely like that pick of James White. And my favorite running back start this week is Royce Freeman against Seattle. He finally got named as a starter on Monday. This is someone that I've had. Super high expectations for for a while, and I'm just honestly not worried about the Seattle defense anymore. We know that they're depleted. Earl Thomas is currently holding out, and I think that they are going to try and just run the ball straight through Seattle, and I really think that Royce Freeman is that talented of a player that he could step into that role and have a huge week. And like I said, I've been calling for the Royce Freeman breakout for a while now, and I think it's going to start in week one is kind of my bold prediction for this week that he's going to kind of take off running as a, I'm not saying a top five running back. I think he has the potential to be a top 15 running back this year.
0: Okay. Do you like him enough to say that his first week will match Kareem Hunt's first week. Kareem Hunt had the New England Patriots week one last year on Thursday Night Football and crushed them. What do you have? I think almost 200 yards.
1: So I would be surprised if he is able to match what Kareem Hunt did in week one last year. I think Kareem Hunt is a little bit more of an electric player. whereas Royce Freeman, he really doesn't blow you away with any aspects of his game. He's a little bit more like Jordan Howard. He just does... A lot of things very well. He's able to follow his blocks, which that Broncos offensive line is much improved this season. And I think he's just able to really make the most out of his opportunity. Whereas I think Kareem Hunt is more the type of player that can just take it to the house on any given play. He is that explosive, he is that electric. So I don't know if he'll match. Kareem Hunt's huge. I think it was a three-touchdown performance. But I wouldn't be surprised if Royce Freeman is upwards of 100 yards, a touchdown, a couple receptions. I think he's going to put up a really solid stat line for Week 1. And now, speaking of the Seahawks versus the Broncos, uh, running back that I am... Definitely avoiding in week one is Chris Carson. I personally just don't think that the Seahawks offensive line is built to support a successful running game. Combine that with playing against a Broncos defense that has been one of the best over the last few years with the addition of Bradley Chubb, I think they're going to wreak havoc on the Seahawks offensive front and their run game. And looking at the over-under, this game is slated at 42 points, which is one of the lowest totals of the week. So I just don't think the scoring opportunities are going to be there, especially, as I mentioned, for a team that just doesn't seem built to support a successful run game.
0: Yeah, Chris Carson definitely, obviously, the Seattle Seahawks offensive line has not been very good. So you still worry about that unit. Going to be hard to thrive, in that offense right now.
1: And sorry to cut you off here, but Chris Carson, he's not somebody that you probably drafted too high anyway. So the bright side of this is that benching him isn't something that's really going to derail your team. I'm just saying don't try to get too cute with him being the starter over Rashad Penny and try and get that sneaky start. This is not the week to do that.
0: Uh, Moving on to the second running back to avoid or running backs, I might say. We have Alfred Morris and Matt Bryda, we could package them together here. Again, same thing with Garoppolo, just going against this top tier offense, especially with that running back split. You really don't know how that's going to turn out this year. Obviously, we pretty much all were thinking it was going to be Jarek McKinnon as the lead back there. Obviously, after the injury, adding Alfred Morris into the equation, you really don't know how that is going to break down. So, it's not a backfield against a top tier defense that I would trust. Just avoid it for week one. Try to go in another direction. I realized that if you were a Jarek McKinnon owner and you drafted him early in the draft and you kind of relying on maybe Bryda or Alfred Morris to kind of fill that slot, if that is your case, I would highly recommend going elsewhere this week. It's just not a matchup that is really going to benefit that backfield.
1: Especially before we really know how it's going to shape up, you can kind of get an idea. Of the roles that those two types of players would play but we don't know what their involvement is going to be throughout the season moving on to some wide receivers with matchups that we're big fans of for week one i have tennessee titans wide receiver corey davis playing in miami And this personally seems like an obvious start to me, but I noticed that on ESPN.com it shows that Corey Davis is only being started in 33.4% of fantasy leagues this week. That kind of seems ridiculous to me, so I don't know how many people are listening to this right now, but please start Corey Davis in your roster. Unless you're in an 18 league, you can do much worse than him, I promise you. And a lot of this comes from me just expecting a lot of improvement from Marcus Mariota in 2018 with new offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur coming to the team. We saw what he did as the Rams offensive coordinator in 2017, and he spent two years as the Falcons quarterback's coach in 2015 and 2016. This guy runs a very quarterback-friendly scheme that is going to help Marcus Mariota reach his full potential, and that's only going to benefit the passing game. Don't forget that Corey Davis was selected in the first round of the NFL draft last season, but he dealt with injuries preseason that really made it difficult for him to build rapport in that offense with Marcus Mariota. I think this is the year that he's going to finally be able to make the most out of his talent and really be one of the breakout stars this season. Not to mention the Miami defense does not scare me at all.
0: Yeah, definitely not. That would be the, my that would be my number one in this situation is definitely it's a plus matchup in my opinion. Xavier Howard is a pretty good defensive back. I don't know exactly how their scheme works if he's going to obviously follow him or whether he'll only see him sometimes, but as a whole the defensive back unit doesn't really scare me. So definitely a plus matchup there, in my opinion. Another guy that has a plus matchup who you had a sleeper post about the other day, John Ross, a guy that you've been high on. And unfortunately, again, we said a plus matchup. It's against your boys, the Colts. Obviously, like you highlighted earlier, there's
1: no loyalty in fantasy football. How I will go against my team in fantasy football,
0: especially when they're ranked 30th in defense. <laughs> so, you know, even with improvement this year which obviously as a fan you hope for but there still be a bottom unit so it it doesn't scare you after AJ Green there's nobody in line second for receptions or targets so John Ross if he performs and we've seen him perform a little bit in the preseason he can get that opportunity at that number two slot that's wide open for the Bengals and if he can lock that down this season he can give you decent output starting right here from a favorable matchup in week one.
1: Now, for a wide receiver that I am pretty hesitant in starting week one, despite having him on a couple of my fantasy teams this season, but that is Josh Gordon playing in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. And my main reason for this is uncertainty. The guy barely practiced with the team this offseason, and the last time we saw him play with the Browns, the Browns were a team Looking for someone to give targets to. Now in 2018, they have Jarvis Landry, who is more than capable of handling a hefty target share. They have a big bodied athletic tight end in David Njoku, who could be a matchup nightmare for the Steelers this week, in my opinion. And they have three capable running backs in Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb, and Duke Johnson, all of whom I think could be involved in the passing game to a certain extent in their own right so just for that reason I'm not saying to sit Josh Gordon because I know that the talent is there I know he's an athletic freak and I know we've seen him finish as the wide receiver one in years past but I do not think at all that he is a safe bet to bring value to your fantasy team this specific week so if you have someone that's a little bit safer someone that you know is going to be involved in their passing game at the wide receiver position I would personally lean in that direction
0: yeah I'm honestly I'm I'm very high on josh gordon so it's hard for me to stomach this one and it's a guy that like i think you have to take pretty early in your fantasy draft so it'd be difficult to kind of sit him
1: yeah and like i said this isn't just an automatic sit this is just either temper your expectations a lot in my opinion or if you have a safer option someone you know that's going to be involved yeah. they that might be the way to go
0: yeah and it's just like it like you said you just might want to consider going a different route. Another guy that fits the bill is Robbie Anderson. He's somebody who climbed the ranks last year. He did very well towards the end of the last season. This is your guy right here. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I have him in the league, and I'm definitely looking to sit him. I do think he is the number one wide receiver for the New York Jets, and he is going into Detroit, which means he probably will have to deal with a lot of Darius Slay. I do not think that bodes well for him. Although he's a talented wide receiver and he could he can burn you, he's tall, he can beat you, but Darius Lay is a top-tier cornerback, so I would definitely be a little worried about that matchup with a rookie quarterback on the road in week one. Just not a promising situation. I have actually made the decision to sit my guy, Robbie Anderson, for John Ross, one of our stardoms this week. So, I, mean, I, I, I just happen to have them in that situation and that's how I decided to use them this week so yeah if you can try to get Robbie Anderson out of your lineup this week is a guy that I like long term this season but just first week one with a rookie quarterback against a top tier cornerback not a great matchup
1: that's a super bold move But I like that home run play there, just going for the John Ross. You know I'm high on him, so I'll I'll definitely back you up on that one. Now, moving on to the tight end position here, we're going to tackle this one a little bit differently because... I think we both agree that the tight end position is extremely volatile, and any tight end can put up a bust performance on any given week. So for that reason, what I really wanted to focus on are tight ends that I think are going into matchups that are in situations where they have a lot of upside for your roster. Not so much focusing on guys that you don't want to start, because I honestly never want to start a tight end. (laughs) So my number one guy is Austin Safarian Jenkins playing against the New York Giants. Now, the Giants were one of the best teams to exploit last season at the tight end position. Especially in daily fantasy, I would always look to start a tight end against the Giants. Now, I do think that the Giants underperformed last season, and they're currently being underrated this season. But, at such a volatile position, as I mentioned, I would not mind taking a chance on a 6'5", 260-pound tight end, whose team recently lost their wide receiver one in Marquise Lee. I think you can do a lot worse than Austin Safarian Jenkins if you're like, again, myself and Dan, who wait to draft a tight end. It's rare that we end up with one of those top five guys, so I often find myself streaming the position week in and week out looking for matchups like ASJ has this week.
0: Another guy that we like for this week is Vance McDonald's at Cleveland. The Browns were horrible against tight ends last year allowing 60.8 yards per game that's fourth worst in the NFL just a plus matchup for t- for a tight end and after Antonio Brown yes people like Juju Smith Schuster but there's no one guy in my opinion besides Antonio Brown it's Antonio Brown and then it's everybody else so if Vince McDonald's open they're in the goal line or anywhere on the field he- he's gonna get his opportunity if he can get open so you know, it's not like there's going to be a push to get somebody else the ball over him if it's just going to be Antonio Brown and everybody else, which I believe it will be. So Vance to McDonald in a good situation this year.
1: My personal strategy at the tight end position is to just look for somebody that I think can score a touchdown. If your tight end scores a touchdown, that's going to make your week. That's really all you're looking for. And a little bonus guy that I wanted to throw in here is Benjamin Watson. This is a tight end that has ended up on a lot of my teams this season. And last year in Baltimore, he had 61 receptions, 522 yards, and he was pretty efficient with the opportunity that he got with Joe Flacco throwing him the ball. However, he's now returning to New Orleans playing with Drew Brees, Where in 2015, he was also playing with Drew Brees and ended up with 74 receptions, 825 yards, 6 touchdowns. He was a tight end 8 that season. So I think there's a ton of upside for him. I think he is a sleeper pick at the tight end position. And especially with Mark Ingram not being available, I'm projecting Drew Brees to rely on the passing game a little bit more. So again, at a position where I'm really just looking for someone that I think has the upside to score a touchdown... I think Benjamin Watson is someone that I've seen available on a couple waiver wires and a few leagues that I'm in that could fill that role nicely for you this week.
0: Now ahead of week one, it's always the trickiest week. You don't really know what you're getting out of all teams. Some teams are going to disappoint. Some teams are going to surprise. And we don't know yet which teams are going to be which. So we're going to give you a couple matchups that you should keep an eye on in week one. To give you a good idea of what you can expect for the remainder of the season. The first one being Chiefs versus the Chargers. The Chiefs and the Chargers, obviously a divisional matchup. There's a lot of hype around both of these teams. With the Chiefs and Mahomes and that new look offense. And then obviously the Chargers with their stellar defense. And the veteran quarterback and Phillip Rivers. And battling for the top of that division... It's going to be intriguing to see in week one, and obviously it's a very important game. Being a divisional game, it it matters whether they win or lose, and it can affect their seed later.
1: Yeah, and for fantasy purposes, one of the main things that I'm going to be looking for from the Chiefs' side of the ball is where Patrick Mahomes is looking, who he's connecting with. I am a big fan of Sammy Watkins going into this season. I'm a little bit lower on Tyreek Hill overall. So I want to see who Mahomes has that connection with. And from the Chargers side of the ball, I'm really curious to see Mike Williams in the red zone. I know they just brought back Antonio Gates. They have Virgil Green on the roster. Are they going to cut into? the area of the field where I feel that Mike Williams is going to bring his value to fantasy owners. So those are two things that I'm really interested in looking for.
0: Another matchup that we're excited to see, another matchup that we're excited to see is Cowboys versus Panthers. Obviously not a divisional matchup, but two teams that might be in the same situation come December and January and that's probably fighting for one of, if not both, of the wild card positions in the NFC. You can expect from last year that the Eagles and the Saints might be at the top of those divisions. So both of these teams, which are quality teams and are looking at a playoff berth, might not be doing so as a division leader, and they might be trying to do so squeaking into the wild card so whether it's these two teams taking the wild cards or whether it's one or the other this matchup could mean a lot at the end come the end of the season and come playoff time
1: and it's also going to be important to really start to realize where Dak Prescott is looking when he's behind center Over the last two seasons, over 40% of his pass attempts went to Jason Witten and Dez Bryant. As we all know, those two players are no longer on the team. So is Dak Prescott going to be looking more towards Michael Gallup, Alan Hearns, Terrence Williams is on the roster, Cole Beasley is on the roster? So that's going to be something that could be pivotal for fantasy owners in 2018. And from the Panthers side of the ball, there's been a lot of talk about Christian McCaffrey being used more in between the tackles as a true workhorse back. So I'm curious to see if they're going to follow through with that, if they're going to continue to use him that way. I think against the Cowboys defense would be a great opportunity to showcase that and see if he's actually capable of playing that role in that offense.
0: And finally, to wrap up, the last matchup that we that we recommend you tune in for is the Sunday night primetime matchup between the Bears and Packers. Obviously a divisional matchup, the Packers have obviously dominated that division for quite a while before Aaron Rodgers' injury. But the Bears have some exciting storylines going on with the Khalil Mack trade and the rise of Mitchell Trubisky and that offense. So with a lot of hype around both teams, the return of Aaron Rodgers and an improved defense um, for the Packers, it is set to be a true divisional NFC North showdown, hard-hitting tough nasty good football definitely tune in for this one well worth the watch and in this one I am super excited to see the Green Bay Packers defense I think it's going to be much improved with those two cornerbacks that they drafted early in the draft Jer Alexander and Josh Jackson so I'm excited to see those guys and see that defense improve we know what we're going to get from Aaron Rodgers And on the offensive side of
1: the ball, this is probably the matchup that I'm the most excited for. On the Bears, we're going to get to see Trey Burton. Adam Shaheen was placed on IR, so he's going to be the number one starting tight end. I'm really interested to see how he connects with Mitchell Trubisky, how Matt Nagy is going to use him in that offense. I want to see how Jordan Howard is going to be involved in the passing game. There's been a lot of hype around him improving his capabilities in that area of his game, whereas we know Tariq Cohen excels in that area so that's going to be pretty cool to see as well and then they have a lot of pass catchers how is Anthony Miller going to be involved Alan Robinson is someone that I'm projecting for near 120 targets this year so is he going to actually get that type of volume and then on the Packers side of things the big talk this offseason has been the running back situation we're going to get to see Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams who looks like they're going to be the lead back for the first two weeks while Aaron Jones is out And do either of those players really make a statement and look like they're going to be able to take over that position that we know is going to have value in an Aaron Rodgers-led offense? And there's a lot of interesting wide receivers on the Packers as well. We know Devontae Adams is a red zone threat, and he's the number one option on that team. But the wide receiver, too, again, in an Aaron Rodgers led offense, is going to bring values. So is Randall Cobb gonna resume being a consistent fantasy option? Are we gonna see Geronimo Allison have that breakout that a lot of people have been hoping for? Then there's the rookies. You have Equinemius St. Brown and Kumaro who are fighting for who are fighting for relevance on that offense. And whoever is able to take that role i think it'll be randall cobb but whoever is able to step into that role and develop that connection with aaron Rodgers is going to have relevance for fantasy so like i said this is the game
0: that i am the most excited to watch and that is a wrap for today guys just remember to keep an eye on our social media at football pod on instagram facebook and twitter or hit our website, footballmdpodcast.com. You can find a ton of stuff there, rankings, articles covering college football, fantasy football, some gambling, if that's what you're into. We really have it all for you there on the website. Check it out. Thank you guys for joining us. Until next week.
1: Yeah, thank you guys so much for sticking with the show to this point. We truly love to bring this content out to you guys. This is episode 10 already. I can't believe we've been doing this for two and a half months. And it really means so much, the support that we've been getting. If you have not already done so, please head over to iTunes. Take two minutes to drop a quick five-star review. It really helps the show more than you guys know. And we could not be more appreciative of all of the support that we've gotten up until now. So again, thank you guys, and make sure you're tuning in week in and week out on Wednesdays as we continue to keep you primed with all of the information that you will need for the NFL regular season. It is finally here. You guys have stuck with us to this point, and now is the time where we finally get to watch actual football and break that down for you guys. So again, thank you, and we hope you continue to enjoy the show.